Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. From comic books to movies to television shows, we have the idea of extra senses, a sixth sense, extrasensory perception. But across the animal kingdom, all the way from bacteria all the way to bats, birds, foxes, you name it, they all seem to be able to detect magnetic fields. But this is one of the greatest mysteries in science, which involves quantum mechanics, complicated biochemistry, and even zoology. So as seasons change, one of the things that happens across the world is the mass migrations of a variety of creatures, whether that be whales, dolphins, sharks, all the way through to birds, travelling from colder climes to warmer climes to reproduce and start off a new generation. And sometimes these creatures can travel long, long distances. And these feats of navigation that these creatures undertake is truly phenomenal. But without the use of GPS, Google Maps, you name it, how do these creatures manage to find their way? Now, one of the leading theories for many animals, particularly birds, is that they follow the magnetic fields of the Earth. And we call this use or ability magnetoreception. It's basically a sense which allows an organism to detect a magnetic field and to perceive direction, altitude, or location. Now, this has been found in lots of things, everything from bacteria all the way through mollusks, vertebrates, arthropods, birds, mammals, you name it. They all seem to have this ability in some form or the other. In some creatures, the ability is much more strongly prevalent, but in others, it seems it's there, but weak. For example, for example, there's a class of bacteria called magnetotatic bacteria. And this bacteria, it shows a behavioral phenomenon known as magnetotaxis, in which basically the bacterium can align itself and then move corresponding to the Earth's magnetic field line direction. And how the bacteria does this is they contain magnetostomes, which are a nanometer-sized particle of a magnetite or some kind of iron sulfide enclosed within the bacteria cells. And the magnetosomes are basically surrounded by a membrane composed of different types of fatty acids and proteins. And these form movement chains that react when the magnetosome aligns with some kind of parallel, like the magnetic field. And that can cause a bacterial cell to effectively act like a magnetic dipole, something with permanent magnet characteristics. That's pretty amazing. The problem is we don't really know outside of this bacteria, which is incredibly easy to study, to visualize and see, where they're literally using magnetic material inside embedded in a cell to get away with it. That doesn't seem to be how things like birds or other creatures are actually behaving. So whilst we can see how this magnetoreception works very clearly, if you have a bit of iron stuck in you, how birds manage to pull it off has been a very confusing piece of science for many, many years. Now, obviously, we know that birds do respond to magnetic fields. In varying studies, we've scientists have taken birds of different varieties and species, for example, homing pigeons, trained them to respond to the presence of magnetic fields and basically expose them to or not to through damping and, and what have you, varying levels of magnetic field strength. And they found that birds, in particular homing pigeons, can get down to about 0.18 gauss, which is uh, basically 20% of the actual Earth's magnetic field strength, which is pretty incredible. 
And the Earth magnetic field strength is only 0.5 Gauss, relatively weak. Um, but still, you know, we can't detect it and doesn't interact with the human body too much. But birds are still able to detect this kind of level. So what on Earth is enabling creatures like birds to do this? Well, we're not entirely 100% sure. And one of the things that we're pretty sure they're using, because there's really no other viable explanation that scientists have been able to detect, is the idea of radical pair mechanism. Now, basically, this uses a piece of quantum mechanics and well-established as part of spin chemistry that forms effectively a magnetic molecule that, depending on the energy inducement or reaction, it can amplify a signal and respond in a certain way. But this all depends on certain proteins being present. And what these proteins are and how these proteins have magnetic properties is very confusing. And there isn't still any definitive proof that that's in fact what's being used. But it's a good explanation. And we know that many creatures from, like, say, foxes, which manage to orientate themselves or seemingly seem to do so to north-south direction for their jumps when they prey on prey, or all the way to bats potentially using it to, or being proven to use it for location purposes, dormice, birds, you name it. And the issue really is that despite 40 years of knowing about magnetoreception, no one has identified what mechanism is being used as the sensory receptor. Think about it another way. We know how the ear works. We know all the pieces that go into making the ear. We know how the photoreceptors in our eyes work, and we can see that in creatures. Hell, we even know how electrosensors work in things like eels, which have the ability, or sharks, to detect electric currents in small ways. We know where the mechanism is for that, and we can see it happening, and we can study it. But we haven't found a mechanism for magnetism. Now, the problem for, say, birds is that, well, we've seen in some studies that, yes, magneto-cryptochromes, or basically a protein-induced method that involves in this quantum mechanics mechanism, that's been found. But also, so has permanent magnet, basically magnetites, like in the bacteria case, have also been found to play a role. But not conclusively, in either. And it's also not clear that neither of those things are actually doing the job. So this is all very confusing, and all very unproven. But fortunately, some researchers from Lund University in Sweden have been year after year plugging away at it was what an incredibly vexing question to try and get to some answers about how this magnetoreception actually works. University in Sweden, researcher Atticus Pinzon Rodriguez has been digging in now to, for several years, different mechanisms that birds have been using, migratory birds, non-migratory birds, to try and understand how that they seem to have this ability to detect Earth's magnetic field. Now, obviously, migratory birds are using some kind of mechanism to migrate from north to south in different parts of the season, but non-migratory birds, would they need the ability to detect the Earth's magnetic field? I mean, they're not migrating, so why would they need an internal compass? And in 2017, these researchers from Lund University actually published in the Journal of Experimental Biology some mechanisms that they've managed to show 
or at least get some evidence of, that birds like zebra finches, which are quite popular pet birds in many homes. And these birds are particularly interesting because although they roam around, they don't migrate. They're from northern Australia and Indonesia, so they don't really need to migrate to warmer climes. They're in pretty tropical conditions. And if these birds manage to show the ability to detect magnetic fields, then that wouldn't make any sense because they don't need the navigation system, so to speak. So what Atticus Pinson Rodriguez looked at was how could you detect it? How could you detect if these birds are able to figure out or determine the existence of a magnetic field? So what they did is compare the zebra finch's ability to detect the magnetic field with that of migratory birds to see if there was a compare and contrast, any differences. And the results showed that zebra finches use a magnetic compass with similar functions to that of migratory birds, basically one that has very specific light dependency. And thus, if you expose it to different colors or different intensities, it messes up their ability to detect or use the magnetic compass. So that's pretty interesting. And it shows that they are able, if they needed to, at least navigate themselves using the magnetic field. But they don't do it all the time. Which is fascinating because it suggested that, well, that magnetic compass ability that birds have isn't something that was specifically adapted or developed for the birds to be able to migrate huge distances from winter to summer. No, it's just a general mechanism that birds have. Which makes it even more frustrating that we don't know how it works. Not deterred, Atticus Pizzo Rodriguez keeps plugging away at this question and has recently published a paper in the Journal of the Royal Society Interface in 2018 to dig even further into this question, to really try and see if we can find some more clues about what is happening with these birds' ability to detect magnetic fields. Now, what these researchers have developed is, okay, well, we know that they can detect magnetic fields, but how are they doing it? We need to try and identify the mechanism, the sensory mechanism that these birds are using. Now, we don't know exactly, but since we've shown that magnetic reception seems to be related to light intensity, a lot of research has been focused towards the eyes. Mostly because, well, that would be a logical place if there's light sensitivity, because your arm doesn't really respond that much to the varying light levels or colours. So whatever sensory mechanism is taking place is probably in the eye. And so, the team of researchers at Lund University have been studying the different proteins found in the eyes of the zebra finches. And they discovered that one of them is very, very different from all the others. This protein, CRY4, uh, managed to maintain a, a pretty much a constant level throughout the day. And, importantly, in different artificial light conditions. So basically, this CRY4 protein pretty much chugs along at a regulated, standard level, whereas all the other proteins in the eye vary all over the place. They basically change with the bird's internal bottle clock and also with exposure to light levels. Now, CRY4 belongs to a group of proteins called cryptochromes. And normally, cryptochromes are basically making sure that your biological clock ticks. Now, cryptochromes are really interesting because they have been theorized as one of the potential ways that we can actually go from a magnetic field to some kind of biological response, that mechanism that they're talking about here. And they do that through a complicated bit of 
quantum mechanics and biological chemistry, basically called radical spin. And by having some interaction in a molecule and having it spin one way or the other, it can sort of act as an amplification for any magnetic field that's around it, which means that the proteins in this instance could respond to varying levels of magnetic field. High in one case when you're aligned or low in the other case when you're not, for example. Something along those lines. Now, we've known that cryptochromes could be that link, but we hadn't really found evidence that cryptochromes were doing anything to prove that they are actually using magnetic field. It is possible that they could do it, but we hadn't actually seen it ever happen or got any at least building evidence to suggest that this weird quantum mechanics thing was actually what was causing it. So when they looked at cryophore, which is a cryptochrome, inside the eyes, what they managed to find is, well, it's cryophore looks like a pretty much ideal magnetoreceptor. As the level of the protein in the eye stays pretty much constant throughout the day, meaning that there's no variation from any other mechanisms, no variation from light response, there's no variation from a lot of different things, which suggests that, well, what is it there doing? If it's constant, it has to be doing something that's used all the time. Magnetic fields don't change with time of the day. They're there forever. So that would make some sense. Now, the conclusion from this study is that, well, since we've now found a cryptochrome, Cry4, that is there, not responding to anything else, and it's present in the eyes of these zebra finches, potentially that is the thing that is enabling movements or changes in the magnetic field to be converted into some kind of biological signal that the bird can then respond to. Now, have we actually proven that this mechanism exists, that this radical pair spin mechanism actually is what's behind this? No, but we're getting a lot closer. We've now identified the specific protein and this group of researchers previously shown that yes, even non-migratory birds also have this same ability. So slowly but surely, this team of researchers have made progress in finding a way to actually determine if birds are using this protein mechanism or some other way of aligning themselves to magnetic fields. So watch this space, because Lund University is becoming a powerhouse or a birdhouse or an aviary of fantastic, complicated quantum mechanics and biological sciences that will hopefully shed some light on how not only birds, but a whole bunch of other creatures are able to detect, respond, and react to magnetic fields. Are we there? Not quite but we've got a couple of more pieces in that puzzle all lined up. That's just some good work being done at Lund University, really investigating whether or not the radical pair mechanism is truly responsible. And I guess they have a horse in that race, it, for it being true, based on their previous research, or let's say a bird in the race or a pigeon. Researchers from University of Oxford, led by Hoare and Hissop, have been trying to analyse 
and think a bit more critically about how this actually is happening. In a paper published in the Biophysical Journal and replicated in Cell Press, they've been using computational methods to try and experiment with and test out a whole variety of hypotheses to try and see if this radical pair mechanism could truly be responsible. So the problem is that when you're trying to measure if birds respond to magnetic fields, how do you test the null case? You can't ask the Earth to turn off its magnetic field. That doesn't work. So how could you interfere with it? Well, you have to try and expose them to a variety of different disruptions or dispersions. And there's really two different things that are done. One approach basically involves a magnetic field oscillating at a single frequency. And it's hoped that that's enough to block the signal from the Earth. And the other approach uses a broad spectrum of noise over a range of frequencies with varying magnetic fields to try and bombard the sensors of the bird to actually, you know, stop it. And the problem is there's no real experimental evidence for one way or the other being as the most effective way to befuddle an avian navigator. Or in other words, we're not sure what is actually stopping the mechanism from working. So if, even if these cryptochromes that have been theorized are actually responsible in some way for bird navigation, are they the only source? And are they actually using the radical pair mechanism that we've been thinking they're using, or is it something else? Because until we're able to turn it off and on at will, it makes it very, very difficult to do that. So how do you solve this question? Well, you basically get a supercomputer and you build many, many simulations. And basically, you get these simulations and you model the radical pair mechanism. You model this strange little bit of quantum mechanics. And then you apply or bombard it with the different test cases. You try the test case with a single oscillating frequency. You try the test case with broadband noise. You try all different kind of things to see if the radical pair mechanism responds to or stops responding or freaks out or doesn't even bother interacting at all, depending on the thing you're testing. And based on the current understanding of the radical pair model, unless we've got the quantum mechanics wrong, it seems that it's not weak or strong enough to be able to detect or respond to this bombarding levels of noise. So we can block the signal as we're seeing that we're blocking it, but the magnetic we can see that we can block the bird's ability to detect a magnetic field. That that's good, but it doesn't seem that the radical pair mechanism, at least based on any of the modeling that's possible to do, actually starts and stops on command like it would have to for that to be the true thing happening here. So it's not just about identifying the right protein or identifying the right trigger that's being used or looking and finding some physical mechanism. But you also have to make sure that the tests that we're using are actually testing for the right thing. Otherwise, we might be barking or chirping up the wrong tree. So it just goes to show that there's a lot of work being done here to try and identify the true cause of this and the true mechanisms at play here. And it's complicated. It involves not only quantum mechanics, computational physics, theoretical modeling, and also biological chemistry. And it's not one discipline that will solve this problem. It will be a multidisciplinary, multi-university work. And as with always in the field of science, we're plugging away at just trying to get a better understanding of what's actually going on. This has been the Young Scientist of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. So the mysteries of how birds are able to detect magnetic fields has not yet been cracked but scientists are on the case looking at a number of different methods involving quantum mechanics all the way through to biological chemistry. Our ending theme was composed by Audionatics. Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia. <laughs>